0: yes what's going on everyone welcome back to another brand new rugby muscle podcast i'm your host as always tj and today i'm joined by dr jacob reed of renaissance periodization i don't think i'm going to be doing one of these intros for every single one of these podcasts this year but i did think that i'd want to introduce this one not to introduce jacob because he is i think the most listened to podcast guest that we've ever had on the rugby muscle podcast but just to let you know that I've done as best I can with the sound that uh, we've been dealing with at the minute. Uh, I am, I 100% am working on a solution as far as a microphone uh, and recording and sound quality goes. But in terms of information, like this is just, it's just too good not to share. So Jacob Reed is an absolute expert when it comes to all things sort of sport performance, but actually getting people on board, like regular folk. Um, being able to be better and we get into um, a little bit of mental toughness versus sports preparation and how we can sort of blend the two and and what that sort of means for you as an athlete and as a rugby player uh, and we also go into his own experiences and his own stories with his training but also with um, athletes and teams that he's been working with so I do think this is a 100% invaluable insight and if you think so as well as usual, give us a five-star review either on Apple Podcast or on Spotify. You can give a five-star review on Spotify now uh, and it will mean the world to me. If you're listening on YouTube, of course, give it a thumbs up. Uh, let me know any, any feedback on the podcast. You, you would love uh, anything that you would like to listen to in future podcasts or what you thought of this podcast in the comments below because also, of course, that helps us out massively. But for now, like I said, I'm not sure if I'm going to keep doing these introductions because I just think like you want to get into the listening. So enough of me talking, let's get you into the listening of this podcast with Dr. Jacob Reed. So I'm not going to give you a big intro because again, you are the most listened to guests we've had on the podcast. So if they don't know who you already are, then they should go back and. Add to that already vastly high number, but what are you doing at the
1: minute? So right now I'm still teaching at the University of Northern Iowa, and I just received word that all, all things are go for me to have tenure there, so that'll be, nice. I have one more hurdle, so that'll be nice, and then I'm still coaching RP clients all the time, <laughs> training and, and diet and all that kind of stuff. I was going to ask if you have a,
0: well, actually I I looked it up, if you have a specific niche that you work with, with the RP guys,
1: but it doesn't seem like it's, oh, it might be something specific then. It's, well, I thought you were going to go a different way. I don't have a specific clientele that I work with. I like, honestly, everybody. What I prefer to work with are the people kind of in my scenario. Like I'm a father of three. I have a almost five, almost three and a nine month old and essentially two jobs so having and i have my own goals physique related and just you know training related goals and so it's it's nice to have that like that's my current level of empathy that i can really express to 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 parents and just people like you know our age that are just kind of living living and just living in life and trying to get through their their day-to-day because everybody's got their stressors so that's that's the people that i i generally i like to work with everyone that's my that's my main group. It's, it's funny because those are the people that you can relate to as well, right?
0: Like directly. And and they know you can because you're, you're living it. It's not like this 20-year-old telling people, yeah, it doesn't matter about your kids. You you, you just don't care enough. <laughs> you're like, no, you, you don't relate. Yeah, so Exactly. Yeah. That works out pretty well. So yeah, as I s- spoke to you already and told you that we, last, last time, we spoke a lot about mental toughness, why it's so weirdly popular in rugby and in sport in general and why that might make people fall short in their results. But to get sort of an opening, what are your overall thoughts? If someone asked you, you know, that I want to be more mentally tough, how do I go about doing that? And they gave you
1: no context, how would you react? Uh, If they asked me that, I would ask them why first. So what, what evidence do they have to suggest that they need to be more mentally tough? And then from there, that might lead to a, well, I'm, you know, I, am getting gassed at, you know, in the last five, 10 minutes of a match, Or, or I, I can't, can't seem to really, you know, I can't go into a tackle with like the, the intensity that I'm looking to, looking for, or, you know, I'm throwing on a line out and it's getting, it's just, it's too nerve wracking or kicking, you know, those high pressure situations. And so then that's going to direct us to where we actually, the, the root of the problem, if it's a fitness issue, if it's a, a skill issue, if it's a tactical consideration, anything along those lines can give us something that is actually, we know can be modifiable. And then from there, it turns into, okay, so you have this thing that you believe you're lacking in. So now let's give you the skills to be able to, to, to cope with it if it's a fitness thing, I'm just not tired enough. Okay. Well, the reality is that's not mental toughness. That's just, that's just fitness. And so let's, let's enhance your fitness. Where are you lacking? What kind of standardized rugby tests can we do to see, is it an aerobic fitness? Is it, is it anaerobic? Is it the combination of repeated sprint ability and that kind of stuff? So that'll direct us to where we want to be. But when working with somebody from a mental toughness standpoint, it's helping them to understand that there is more than just mental toughness that results in whatever they think they're lacking in. It's not just this idea that I need to go and just beat myself apart physically in order to do well in order to enhance this it's these are there are coping mechanisms that you can introduce there are there's a deeper understanding of the psychology of the individual that becomes really important that is going to have the actual impact rather than just hard physical training through and through and we need hard physical training like i'm not saying no to that but it's just let's be deliberate about how we incorporate that kind of thing okay and then from there like that leads me to sort of
0: two two main areas of or, or trains of thought the first one is sort of if we're talking about being tough like It's almost which comes first, right? Because we always see someone who's performing really well. We think, oh, they're really tough. But we're only saying that because they're performing really well. Maybe that's because they've already got the skills or the fitness or the whatever it is in place to complete whatever given task that is. There's no real indication that that person's tough. There's just the indication that 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 person is, is better, right? And I think, weirdly enough, that might even make that person less tough because they're less used to adversity if they're used to more is that something that you found as well it's actually ends up being more of the opposite like someone that's less skilled but and subsequently less successful is actually like if we're looking
1: at it quantitatively is less tough that could absolutely be the case you know the i think the best scenario is if anybody's ever seen the movie waterboy and they're setting up to do the the onside kick at the end of the game and the kicker's just scanning the crowd, the front line. He's like, "Where's, where's, where's my guy?" It's not what he says, but that's what he's looking at, and he looks for the person that is just literally. Their eyes are telling them, "Don't kick it to me. Don't kick it to me. Don't kick it to me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna botch this thing," and that comes with, you know, the, you have that individual right there that it's just, you know, they're not expressing mental toughness but then you could also have the other side of it where it's this individual that you know has had a lot of experience and they've done many different things you know they probably do have what we would call more mental toughness because they have a confidence in their skills you know they actually have you know an arrogance about it almost to the point that they're they believe they're better than what they are and what's interesting is the literature will suggest that that person might actually like go above and beyond their true capacity as long as they believe in their abilities regardless of if they have it or not. And so it really does come into this we have to have people that have uh, experienced a lot of different things. You know, when I was working with with volleyball before, they one of the things that I loved having and loved seeing was struggle in the preseason. In American volleyball, it's This entire the first, I don't know, month or so-ish, three, three weeks to a month, is all preseason. You're going and playing multiple games a day against really high caliber talents. You haven't figured out your rotation yet, your your top six. And you want struggle there because you want people to be in uncomfortable scenarios. You want to teach them this is what you need to do in order to be like when this happens, this is how you need to adapt to it. And then as the team and the goes through that group struggle, there turns into a, a collective understanding of what needs to be done, who is capable of doing what. You can see when your teammates struggle, and you can then get into actually being that um, te- re- really teammate where we want people to support each other and understand what is, you know, what each other needs. And you might have that person that's, you know, never experienced any hardship. And then as soon as they do, if they crumble eh, that's a complete and total lack of mental toughness and is
0: that something that can be trained like through more exposures to that struggle
1: oh absolutely i think that's the beauty of things like small-sided games especially Mm -hmm. in training for rugby um and all, all sports that it makes sense to incorporate them is that you can design the the game to be not only enhancing fitness but to get them you know, to get them tired. If you know these people have never, like this particular athlete, they've never struggled. And as a coach, you understand what they also haven't experienced. You can then put them in that scenario. And whether if it's a, a big game scenario, those are, those are a little tougher to, to mimic, but you can design things that are very, very game-like in terms of the speed, the fitness requirements, the fatigue they're experiencing, the tactics, the techniques. And then if you if you do that and you get them to experience it outside of competition, now you've at least, it's not new, a new thing for them as they get onto the field. And all of those pieces are really important. You have to have game-like speeds. You have to have game-like fatigue and tactics and techniques. Because otherwise, as soon as they step on the pitch, it doesn't matter. Now mm-hmm. everything's moving much faster than what I'm used to, or I'm really used to this very specific, constrained scenario, and I don't know how to... Adapt beyond it. It's kind of like long-term athlete development. yeah, you don't want me one the one sport athlete. You want the kid that's gone up and they're playing jumping out of trees that have done all of these kinds of things. They've dabbled in in wrestling, basketball and baseball and soccer and rugby and all of these pieces, gymnastics, so that they've developed the the motor pathways, the confidence, the struggle in ever in doing everything because they're not going to be that great. And that puts them in a better place to succeed later on as well. 100 percent I don't want to sort of make
0: it argue against a straw man, but th- there seems to be a case here for making sure that with all these different sports for kids, like there is a win and a loss. I think it's it's getting it's getting strange to the point that there's a lot of no keeping scores and no having not letting anyone feel bad. And I'm like, why are we getting so upset that a five year old is up like is sad? Like, who get like they're going to be fine as adults. Like, even if they're, if if anything, they're going to be worse. If they're not, if they're sheltered from any sadness as a kid, because that's not going to prepare them for the real world, right?
1: Exactly. Like with our kids, we try to give them as many, as broad of a a life experience as we can. I thought you were going to say, you
0: (laughs) give them no chance in every sport. You just smash them every
1: time. (laughs) Well, that, you know, the funny thing is that, You look at that and it's, I want them to have broad experiences, but I also don't want them to be put in a scenario with somebody that is utterly incompetent. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we had that even last, last summer, signed up our kid up for, for T-ball. The coach comes out, it's this 14 year old girl that is, they have a volleyball and now they're going to start playing kickball. And then what she realized, what she was actually doing, she decided to, oh, okay, we'll just have 15 four-year-olds stand in a line and throw a ball at a tee and then go chase it and go stand back in line. (laughs) So it's, I understand the struggle of that, but it's also, you know, there's there's a point at which, you know, they're kids, it does need to be fun Mm -hmm. and they should be struggling doing the things that are, you know, meaningful to the sport. It shouldn't just, shouldn't be boring and so it's for me anyway it's a it's a a difficult piece to struggle with to know and at least put them in a with a coach that is some degree of competence that can Mm -hmm. you know isn't going to burn them into the ground and just do things that honestly don't make sense from a from any standpoint (laughs) this is this
0: is a tangent i want to entertain because i remember When I was, I was working with uh, a sports performance facility when I was in the U.S., I was in Colorado, and every Sunday, I, I trained a couple people in the morning, and then for my second session, there'd be these two kids, and they were, I don't know, but their baseball bags that they were carrying were as big as them, and they came in, and they did an hour and a half of, it must have just been pitching, it couldn't have been hitting, right? So they were just doing an hour and a half of just pitching with this coach, just these two kids, and they were tiny, and I was like... They're doing this to prepare them for something that is in, is maybe they're six, right? So they're preparing themselves for college when they're 18. That's, that's double the life, their entire life that they've already experienced away. And they're doing just repetition after repetition. I'm like this. And also the parents, like how much they're spending on this coach. I'm like, put that towards a college fund. Like that's, that's how you
1: get your kid a scholarship is you pay for it with that money. It drives me nuts. Same. I actually devote in one of my classes time to talking about early specialization and the, all of the literature that we have out there that you know, supports exactly what you're talking about. So like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get them doing lots of different things, solving lots of
0: problems. It's not like they're, you know, the age, you know, the, the development that ha- occurs between the age of you know, anything before 12, like, or anything before, like anywhere, you know, close to the end of puberty doesn't really make a difference until, you know, it doesn't compare to what they go, the, you know, the exposures they go to in their mid to late teens. Right. And that's, that's when you really
1: want to start to specialize and, and yeah. have them. And actually, it just depends on the sport. Yeah. So she sure. have like gymnastics where they're competing in the, in the Olympics at, you know, 12, 13 years old, but yeah. Otherwise, you know, that 12, 13 is generally when people say to start specialized, but that's, also, just depended on what makes sense for the kid.
0: And so, to go back to the the mental toughness side of things, and I think sort of piggybacking off of the encouraging kids to fail all the time, and, and you especially making sure that your kids always lose in every sport that they do, we want to make sure that, like, this has developed them to be tougher athletes. Is there a way that we can sort of measure or or ensure that you know we're not just losing for the sake of losing that we're actually building out toughness because sometimes you know as well as i do there are coaches that will do uh, you see a lot in american sports uh coach car springs to mind when he makes them run thousands of suicides like is that building any toughness or is that just burning someone into the ground at that point
1: when things are like that hard that's just burning people into the ground i mean they literally killed people doing that mm-hmm. you know the, there's that the offensive lineman from maryland they they killed the guy because they're asking him to do 110s. Yeah. So one tens and so
0: they're tens and gases and, uh, three hundreds of old staples and my buddy Kia, the, the rubbish strength coach, has recently been hitting out of that a lot. And it's so it's funny cause you, you think that these things are limited to your one sport and niche niche that you're in oh, a bit of an American accent creeping in there in the niche that you're in, but it's not like there are stupid stuff in every it's it's a lot of it is about being like trying to be as tough as you can even in new sports like Rab the, the clown and in, in crossfit like that's not that's not tough
1: <laughs> no exactly it's you know i actually talk a lot about and I, and i follow Kier, have similar beliefs and mindsets that he does and it's one thing i teach to my my kids in my classes is you know we can we can make people fit other ways than doing one testing gassers at the end of practice Mm -hmm. like your practice is going to be terrible leading up to it because they know they're going to do it it's not going to be fun there's going to be low quality work there's going to be you know it's just not a good scenario because they're just going to be saving themselves to get into it regardless of what you want to believe no they should be going hard okay sure it's not happening Mm -hmm. and so to sort of for those kids to make sure that you know we want them to be able to, you know, understand training hard. What training hard actually is. What mm-hmm. makes sense for their sport. Understand the actual game. You know, be a student of it. Know how far do you have to travel? I was asking offensive linemen. I'll, I'll usually have one or two in one of my classes. I'll say, "How far do you think you travel in a game?" Like, I don't know, five hundred yards. No, try three to five thousand yards of just traveling. This is walking, mm-hmm. jogging, sprinting. You want to tell me that, you know, your fitness characteristics don't need any like aerobic metabolism. Now, I'm not saying don't go and run. What I'm saying is like, let's find ways to make you train as offensive lineman to actually enhance that system. Like If you're doing conditioning, why are you doing? It? Mm-hmm. If it's for, for you to express your frustrations with practice, that's your problem. That's not if it's to enhance fitness. Okay. Do it differently maybe structure a different time, maybe actually plan practice so that it is legitimately hard from a game standpoint. You know, Mm -hmm. that's why I love multi sided games. Like they, they make sense from every possible angle from every sport that it makes sense to put it in. And so it's, you know, we just want to make sure that with, from a mental toughness standpoint, we're letting them struggle. And from whatever aspect it may be, and then we're giving them the skills to cope with it. And those skills aren't literally like, oh, just suck it up, Nancy. It's, okay, how, what, what are you feeling right now? So is it, how, like, it's having that conversation with, with the athlete and seeing where they're struggling. What part of this are you struggling at? Have you done any visualization? What are, what are you doing to try to adapt to it other than just go harder? that doesn't get you there there's there's actually a specific standpoint there is like tactics that you can incorporate 100 percent. i think what you said there everything that you've said
0: has been about solving the problem of the sport that you're trying to do right like the, a lot of people see toughness as you know we're doing these runs or we're doing you know or, or they'll do it on a some old school weightlifting coaches will put them in the weight room and they'll make them develop toughness in the weight room but what you're saying is the struggle is the problem solving that occurs in the sport. It's not just a, is Is that right? So if, if I want to be a better rugby player, is there any benefit to me struggling and losing consistently at, say, chess or on a rowing workout or anything like that? Do, do any of these things actually have a transfer to the toughness that we have to utilize to win a sport?
1: You know, an argument could probably be made if you have every, you know, 24 hours a day to devote to your sport, then yeah, I bet that somehow that would transfer over. But the reality is nobody has that much time. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about people that are, they're working jobs. They're maybe able to get in, you know, if they have a two hour practice and then a one hour training session in a day, that's a big day. Mm -hmm. And so... That's what gets. We we have to be aware of how we're using our time. And what I like to do when I'm talking about this whole developing fitness and oh, fitness, be, mental toughness being a component of fitness is that look what we do in the weight room from the standardized procedures of like bench squat deadlift cleans that kind of thing. Those develop the system. They create the ceiling as high as we can physically get it. And then what we want to do is take that. And actually start doing sports specific, but controlled things. That's why you start to see sandbags. That's why you start to see wrestling and rugby and mm-hmm. like moving kegs around that kind of stuff because it's, I've become strong. Now I'm moving awkward things because that's a lot of what rugby is. Mm-hmm. So I'm teaching myself in a controlled environment to actually do that. It is and the controlled environment is key it is if you want to teach, like have, have skills learned. There has to be repetitive, controlled, like application of what's going on. And then once they've done that, that's where practice comes into play in competition and becomes more of a real world, real game scenario. And I think a lot of people either they fall into we're going to lift weights and then practice or they fall into screw lifting weights. That's old school. We're going to be in the middle. And just do things that are, that look super sport specific. And then we're going to go practice where it's this stepwise, or at least not necessarily people believe that, but it's how it works out. Tribal way of which media and social media is being presented. You know, you're one or the other rather than, well, there's, there's a sequential way to incorporate everything. And what is best for the time that we have right now at the time of the year is really what we need to focus on and we build into it, incorporate mental skills training along the way. And it works. Like even from a weightlifting standpoint, you want to teach somebody really high quality mental skills, the weight room, normal weight training session, pretty high intensity silence, no talking, mm-hmm. nothing. like that. You can't even talk to tell your teammate what weight to put on the bar. And you have to find, find a way to communicate, find a way to get it in yourself. You can't talk in between sets. There's no music. You sit and you think you're visualizing, you're practicing those pieces in the weight room, which help to transfer into other things. Cause now you're, you've got that skill. At least you've started to understand how it works for you. And so they can be, but it's just, how can we be creative about doing it without, um, Taking too much time and being add-on coaches as well,
0: hundred mm-hmm. percent. That's so good. I think I want to talk about the fact that you mentioned the the, the strength work, bit, increasing that ceiling, and the fact that you know too much of the stuff is done in the middle, and this middle is where rugby is played, which is why we want that exposure to you know to the to challenge us and getting that toughness within that area that should be saved for that middle stuff i think you're not getting tougher by pushing your one rep max you know for or doing like a widow maker for example you know that 20 rep squat stuff like that doesn't make you mentally tougher for makes you hurt but the other thing that i think is crucial that people want to hear you increase that ceiling you know with uh, i also like to include speed work and some sort of energy system ATP PC system development at the top so they can really push those high highs when they're needed to but that's you know, just to help you develop for rugby. The other thing I like to, I never shut the fuck up about this because it's so, so important. People don't think about it is that is, is developing also your, your floor. So, you know, get real deep with your aerobic system because then that allows you much more room in this middle, right? Cause that, but that's where it's, you, you don't train in the middle because it's, it's kind of gross. It's like, it's, it's really tough, but you don't develop yourself enough to recover or you don't develop yourself enough to, to get a good benefit. It's just tough, too much, like, it's much tougher than aerobic work, so it, it does, act and, and basic bodybuilding work, so it fatigues you quite significantly, which, you know, de- de- you know, for your detriment for the rest of the week, and therefore, yeah, you shouldn't target that to develop your fitness, but that's where you play the game, so do your rugby training there, like, so you don't have to do more stuff, but I think people look at rugby, or they look at any sport, really, you know, a lot of field sports have played the same, you know, they're in this middle area, and they think, well, I need to do that to match that. But that, you know, that doesn't develop you long term. And I think people are missing that sort of, I don't know, uh, wider vision of, of how both to
1: develop fitness and to develop like being a better player. Oh, absolutely. You know, the, the best example as well is not best, but a good one is if you want to get faster, you, you have to run at 90% or more of your max velocity. Like mm-hmm. that's the typical early Francis model, right? Like. And anything between 75% and 90% is junk mm-hmm. for speed development. Mm-hmm. Yes, it will enhance, you know, your anaerobic capacity, but it is highly fatiguing. It's tough to recover from. And you're not getting faster because you're not run, running at a speed that's going to provide that sense of overload. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, it's that place where, you know, it fits for speed. It's like everything that you talked about. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And, and met cons always fall in that middle. People, a lot of rugby players love to do met because I had a guy message me before uh, a while back on Instagram when I posted about how I really don't like him. and he really was—he he understood me. He was upset because he's like, "Look, I know you hate them, but I still like doing them because you know they feel tough, and I feel like I've—I've—I've I've, I've pushed myself through." And I was like, "Yeah, but you are you are you doing that? Are you doing a Metcon for your mental benefit? In which case, like, isn't that why you're playing rugby?" Why don't you just save it for the rugby? Why don't you just be better at, you know, develop your aerobic system or develop whatever it is you physically want to develop and not wreck yourself doing Metcons. And
1: there's no real physical answer for it, except people enjoy them. No, I- exactly. Metcons are so interesting. I had a, my cousin once talk to me about it. He said, imagine how much power is developed when you're in 135 cleans for at 130, 135 pounds for you know for reps i was like i don't know how much did you develop in that one rep like that's you know what power isn't a summit some game it's an yeah. instant measurement and so it's you know there's there's so much that you know the metcons are if, if if crossfit's your sport the metcons are one it's the same thing right you
0: gotta play rugby to be a better crossfit athlete it's the, the exact same thing but then again we're we're talking about this middle area that is your measuring stick but it's not what
1: you do to develop yep and you can do a metcon like literally it's just metabolic conditioning and so why not why does it have to be a bar right and Mm -hmm. why, why can't you actually put in a wrestling component and then a you know mimic the game you've got you you hit the ruck you've got to wrestle into the ruck you make the tackle The rock has to happen. And then now you got to jog to get into or run to get into position. And then you got to do something similar there. Like mimic the game, like the fitness components of the game by having multiple small sided games that people have to run into That's metabolic conditioning. You're just not moving away. You're playing the game.
0: hundred percent. Yeah. I think this where Alex Viada had a big influence on me because he even programs from complete humans performance. He, he even programs for. CrossFit athletes that do regionals and they're very successful and they don't, they barely do any Metcons because that's how they develop. And I was like, oh shit. Like if even the best CrossFitters aren't doing that, like what are people doing? doesn't make
1: sense. I mean, look at Rich Froning. That's not how he trained. They no. train multiple times a day. The multiple, the, the different qualities that are necessary. They might have strength work in the morning and then aerobic work at night and then it's you know in that in that world it turns into you know the metcon is your practice you're mm-hmm. not doing the metcon for fitness you're doing the metcon to practice do practice your your tech how you work in that kind of scenario mm-hmm. can you transition well yeah what is your technique looking like when you get fatigued but practice is different than physical preparation and a, think people get lost in that piece whereas if you need to practice practice If mm-hmm. you need to physically condition condition don't try to like bring everything into one yeah yeah 100 it's funny and it's i keep saying
0: this because like you know what i run here is rugby muscle it's it's all about it and i still you know we we separate these things massively because it, it's just how you become better it's yeah, you know we it, I'd probably sell a lot more programs and do a lot more business if I if if I did some funky exercises and I'd get a lot I'd definitely get a lot more traction on like reels and stuff on Instagram because they would look cooler. But I'm not doing it because it doesn't like it's not what develops you as a player. It doesn't make you. It doesn't actually help. But looks cool. I want to sort of actually before I switch gears, the other thing that you mentioned was about the the mental toughness side of things as switching music off. I've done that with endurance work a lot, like I'll say, you know, you go out and you you don't listen to music, but you've got, you know, 30, 40 minute, like low and slow. So it's nothing that's there's no reason physically that I should ever, they should ever even really rely on music. Again, this is from Alex Viado. It's just a way you you, to then not just focus on the focus on different parts of your performance. So as opposed to just focus on the pain of your legs or whatever, or being bored and letting your brain just go wild. You focus on just your form and and the set, you know, making sure that you're running right. Or if you're on the elliptical, we're focused on other things, but, or, or even we've done it before where we've actually completely zoned out and we've actually used it to try and concentrate and read a book because that actually makes for a different stimulus. It's like trying to really distract the brain away while still performing. Is there anything to be said for uh, where this crosses the line, I guess, is from being sort of mental toughness to actually just sort of mental training, compartmentalizing. I know you've worked with quite a few endurance athletes, and this is something I believe they do
1: better than others. Is this something that we as rugby athletes can learn from them? I think it it can be. I think the biggest point that you mentioned is that, you know, it's when you're out there running or doing any sort of like just traditional, like aerobic type work, Mm -hmm. you know, what is the purpose to just go out and do it? or is the purpose to get better at that specific specific skill because you know, mul- multiple people everybody has a different objective when it comes to running some people might just go out because they just need to get away from the world and in, in, in silence and it's not necessarily a mental skills piece some people it might be like I, this is the only time that i get to listen to my own music mm-hmm. you know like when we drive, when I drive the kids to school, I'm I'm playing the sing soundtrack, which it's good music, but it's not exactly my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. And so if I go out and do a run, well then, right, or just <laughs> anything. <right? laughs> no, just... And so I think it's, you know, it it can be, but I th- the biggest part is is can you still train well with appropriate intensity without the music? Mm-hmm. And if you can. Use it as needed, but if you need the music to be able to go out and do what you need to do, you really need to step back and think about how you're approaching things because it's it, it's not the music's not there when you compete. Mm-hmm. It's you you if you really hate it that much, like there is something to be said about embracing the suck. You know, if you hate going out for a run, but it makes sense for your sport, you got to do it. You don't have to like it, but you got to pick yourself up and get out there and take care of that, that responsibility that you have. I mean, it's no different. Like some people might not like going to sleep early or going to sleep, you know, at a reasonable time or waking up early. But if that's a necessity, you have to do it. You know, we need, I used to do, well, when I was a weight room supervisor, we would play only seventies disco because it's, it's upbeat enough. Nobody can argue about it. And it's just, it's just background noise. And mm-hmm. what I did was, is that's what we always had, but I kept in my back pocket. And you know, this is when I was working with volleyball. I where it was one day, I was like, all right, guess what? Y'all get to choose the music today because I saw that they came in and they were just, just done. It was the, gr- it made sense for the time of year. They just needed a pick me up to come in and just have a good session, but also just from that that mental like relief standpoint. and And I remember this girl's face. she said, "Anything?" I was like, yep. Beyonce?" Yep. No with <laughs> it absolutely. I put on Beyonce, and it was a beautiful session. So again, that is something that can be used strategically for yourself. Like I have a playlist that I play during peak week because it just hits different. And if it's not peak week, I change it up because I want to have that same stimulus because you you do want to train hard. Don't get me wrong. But you also want to like have that. You don't want to become a uh, desensitized to it. Kind of like coffee, right? You keep drinking coffee. Eventually you need six cups a day just to get the stimulus. Whereas it's probably a good idea to pull off and go down to one or so, and then bring it back up.
0: hundred percent. It's, I think I stole this from James Hoffman who was, who said periodize everything because it, it, it makes so much sense. And this actually goes perfectly into what I wanted to talk into next, but I think using that sort of stuff is exactly what it's there for, right? It allows you then, you know, to use that music when you do need that intensity or use whatever mental cues or, or yeah, pre-workout's are massive one as well, right? Use it when you need to, but if it becomes a crutch, then it's absolute, absolutely a problem. And really, like, because you can, it's also, make it's either a problem, you know, for yourself mentally or, or actually it's a problem with your training, right? Because if you need that much of a juice to get going, like, are you actually overly fatigued? Like, or if you can't, if you can't meet your running or, or whatever it is, you know, especially if you're just doing lists, right? Like low intensity work, like there should be, there shouldn't be a need for music to get you through that or, or, you know, your general weight room work outside of uh peak week. Like there shouldn't be a need to really need outside stimulus to get you going. You should be able to, you should, you should have done everything. In the previous week to get you going. hundred percent. I also think there's something to be said about the, the mental benefit of pushing through that when it's tough, you're not necessarily pushing through like real physical barriers. You're, it's just a mental barrier that for, exists for some reason, even though, you know, physically you can do it. I think that's even like, I feel that every time I go, I do a, like a weekly long run at the minute, it's not that hard. You know, I, I finish and I can still hold a conversation the entire time, but Every Sunday morning or, or whichever morning I go, I faff around for an hour. It takes me like an hour to make a coffee and then I'm just mincing about because I know I don't want to go out and run and not have my phone on me, but my brain is just doing anything to avoid it. But afterwards, I always feel better. But going to bed earlier as well, the same thing, right? You, you, your brain just doesn't want to go to bed that early because you, there's so many, so much Netflix to watch or whatever it is. But afterwards, when you wake up in the morning, you feel so much better. You got through it. Like you did what you were supposed to do and now you reap the reward. And I think there's something to be said for whether that develops mental toughness or just mental discipline, maybe, because you know, all it is, is it's not necessarily doing something overly difficult. It's just doing what you are supposed to do.
1: I think it's dead on, honestly.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's where it's like, it's not. And then even then you don't see it as discipline. It's just. You said you were going to do it. You did it. Great! Like you don't think it's tough or, or difficult. Like, you, no one thinks they're tough for brushing their teeth twice a day, but hopefully everyone does it, right? Unless you plan on periodizing your teeth brushing. You know, you let it, you de- let it develop for one time. You know, for some weeks you do it just once a day, and then you know, by the end, you before you go to the dentist, you you know the the two weeks before you you brush them five times. <laughs> Please don't do uh, that. But you should periodize everything else. You you've been on a recent. Trend of just chasing hypertrophy gains. What what caused this sort of venture down? You you stepping on? I don't think you have any ambitions of stepping on stage, or am I wrong? Oh, uh, yeah,
1: no, I I want to. It, ah, nice.
0: I never saw that coming.
1: Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> what ended up happening was it was so oldest kid is almost five, and then from the, so he was born in 2017 from the time that he was born to the time to fall of 2020 like i honestly got into a funk with training specifically with resistance training something that i've historically loved and i i barely did maybe once a week there might have been six weeks stints that i didn't do anything at all and then and during that time, I ran two 50Ks. I ran my my first marathon that I ever ran was just fully self-supported by myself running on back roads. There's, I ran a marathon in the snow. So I did some really cool stuff that's nice. fun to say. But for all of that, it was like the first 50K, it was July 10th of 2018. I said, I, I was in San Francisco for a wedding. My wife, her sister, and her brother all went out and did this beautiful marathon and 30 K in in the, the parks around San Francisco, around golden gate. And I was the driver and I drove there and I just sat there for seven hours. So this is not, I want to be out there. And Mm -hmm. at that time I really hadn't done anything. And so on July 10th, I said, okay, I'm going to do a 50 K on October in October. And so I trained for a 50 K and I, and I did it. It was the worst pain I've ever felt finishing that thing, but finished it. And but that was a three month stint. The next 50k I did it was similar. It was like a three month stint. And then in fall of 2020, I started to actually train, like legitimately train again. And I got I got the passion back, the drive, and I started lifting weights. And it, I said, everything that I've ever done has been at most about two years that I've committed to anything. And otherwise, it's just been a lot of dabbling, which has given me a really broad approach to things but it's from a very short time frame i wanted the long term like can i commit to something for 6 years and realize the gains and and make the parts of myself better that i knew i needed to make better so i was 34 at the time and i said i want to do a bodybuilding show when i'm 40 and so i'm a year in now and i've learned so much about myself and everything and it's it's been a it's been a life-changing experience actually hmm. interesting well in what ways so it's it all started so it was february 1st ish 2021 that i started it and i, I started with a cut because i wanted to get as lean as i could and i i got lean but not i i had the desires and then he also to to just spend money randomly which wasn't isn't normal for me or historically wasn't I also had I was procrastinating sleep during this cut so I'd like lay down to bed and then I'd be on the phone right and then you procrastinate when you intentionally try to go to sleep and so I incorporated some changes so I said okay I will do meditation before bed I will start to maybe incorporate you know, sugar-free substitutes to see if that helps. Well, that didn't help at all. The meditation worked a little bit, but wasn't something that was sustainable. So I made it through the cut, did a reverse diet, got into my mass. And the mass went pretty well, but then I would have these periods where the impulsivity just went boom, just hammered me. Mm -hmm. And I would just go excessive with eating. And it wasn't eating disordered behavior, I later found out. It was something else. And then it it came into the fall of last year where I actually had a relatively easy semester. I had no new course preparations. I had a, a higher load, client load than I normally take, but nothing crazy. And I was struggling even being able to work and just to function. And it was permeating everything that I was doing. And this was in a mass phase, like it wasn't like I was in a caloric deficit at all. And what I ended up doing was. TikTok of all things, I saw some ADHD TikTok pop up and I said that they had some, you know, real, I, I could relate to a lot of what was being said from both psychiatrists and, you know, people doing skits that have ADHD. And so I scheduled an appointment to get myself checked out. And I should also preface it by back in, in May, I started an, an, any anxiety medication. So it, was, it was just overwhelming me and it kind of worked it, it didn't work once the fall hit it prompted that let's scale get check uh, checked for ADHD because as a friend of mine would say you know name it to tame it if I have ADHD great if I don't awesome then that's not it I can move on to the next thing which is kind of how I approach this entire year well it turns out that I do have ADHD and I've had it for my entire life it's just that it didn't be I was able to mask it well. It's not extreme, but I was able to mask it well, and it never had a significant and consistently negative impact on my life Mm -hmm. until last year when I actively tried to address these things like my impulsivity, which is an ADHD trait, the inability to like really focus in and listen to people. Like my wife, she could be talking to me. I could be looking at her. All of the other background noise just jumbles me, you know, having the need to have high anxiety arousal to be able to get things done. So like procrastination, like I finished my dissertation in a month when I did it, I, I had data collection at the end of April and this was in 2014, but data collection at the end of April, I defended in June uh, of that year. And so it was everything kind of clicked. And even, you know, in, in college, I tried Adderall once. Just because I needed to study, and a friend of mine had it, they're like, "Here, try it out." And it was mind blowing to me. And as I was talking to my counselor right. and like medical professionals, they had said that, like, you know, it's if it works, the, the, there's obviously something there. And so I mm-hmm. started, I started taking Adderall in December, and it's been life changing, actually. And so that's that. That's kind of the big, the most fun thing about this process with right. it. I ran some statistics last week. Or yet not last week, it was like Saturday. And I saw that about 70% of my phases I was, you know, consistent with last year. So like if I was in a mass phase, 70% of those weeks, I was in a, a body, a positive body weight change mm-hmm. percentage wise. If I was in a cut, I was in a negative, you know, body weight change percentage wise. So 70% of the weeks of last year, I was doing what I needed to do. And that was through all of the struggle. So now it's like, I have this objective of like, all right, now I'm going for more than 70. I'm going to try for 80, 85% or even more. So that way I gain, I gain more muscle. I have, you know, all, all of the positives that are coming with, with sleep, with, with family life, with work, you know, everything is kind of, it's, it's been a year to kind Mm -hmm. of address things that I know, like, this is my realm. I, I know exactly what to do. Couldn't do it. No, a hundred percent took a lot of steps to to get there but it's yeah it's now it's going to be a real interesting five years because i enjoy lifting again i can get it done in the amount of time that i have available you know 45 minutes to an hour four days a week and it's it's fun and it obviously there's all the quality of life stuff as well
0: yeah and that's going to be a real interesting goal as far as like you've got a lot of time between now and then to get uh, for, for lack of a better term, to get distracted as far as other goals you know oh yeah i've still got five years could i see let's see if i can do a powerlifting meeting in the meantime or whatever it is because i think when you said you know you sort of dabble in lots of different areas that's that's how i've approached a lot of my particularly my weight room stuff as far as i want i've wanted to see the weight room through a lot of different lenses and i don't know if yeah you know, actually one of my goals for this year is to as to sort of outsource all of my training. And just not think about it. And maybe here and there, I'll say, oh, can we sort of tweak this and do this? But other than that, I'm just going to try and just train as an athlete because I know myself, I'll constantly sort of change the goal and to my own detriment, but also to my own mental somewhat benefit because I always like to keep changing and pursuing other things. But I know long-term that doesn't really help. And that's why we need to,
1: to plan these things. And I have a coach as well. Like I'm, I'm fully capable of doing it. And I actually worked with uh, my coaches, Steve at Revive, Stronger. Oh, right. Uh, Yeah. And Mm -hmm. it was, you know, he's, their training philosophy and ideology is a real similar to what I'm used to and what RP is and is kind of nice to get a slightly different but similar perspective that I can trust. And it's been, it's been amazing. Like even today I had, you know, it's snow and ice here. Like I'm home, which is not normal with the three kids. And I had a funeral yesterday. So I'm two days into this week. Mm -hmm. My training week is kind of screwed. And this is the first time it's happened since I started, you know, over a year. And I just said, like, look, I'm just going to do a deload and uh, keep it at 90%, 50% Mm -hmm. of the volume. I have to train at home because I have kids that are trying to, you know, pop in to things right (laughs) now. (laughs) Uh, And but it's it was good to just shoot him that email, say, this is what I'm thinking. This is where, you know, this is a scenario. You're going to get back to normal. Okay, we'll go fix it. That's, that's Thomas. He, I mean,
0: he, he approves of your load,
1: <laughs> Buddy, go play. Thank you. But it's been, it's been nice because I could throw that idea out there. I can get back to normal training next week. I'm in a cut right now. So it was, and I, I hit the cut too hard to start with. And I know that now because I was coming fresh off the mass and that was my fault. And so it, it kind of worked and I'll still get a good intensity out of it but just the volume will drop just because my availability is, is changed to this week. But what's the, the
0: the real big benefit of that, both the long-term sort of mindset, but also that having a coach as well is that you're able to do things like take that wet week off. And it sort of, uh, excuse me, sort of brings us full circle in that you you, you know a lot of people will think oh i've got to be tough this is going to be a real difficult week i'm going to push through and i'm going to be better for it but like if you're stressed out you're fucking not like doing more stuff on top of that is not going to help particularly if it is those sorts of stressful situation and uh, stressful training intensities that really induce fatigue and like just run you into the ground and i think this is a mistake and you said right at the top that you know these people live real lives most they're we might have a, a very small handful of professionals listening to this, or semi-professionals listen to this. Otherwise, you work working. your and even then, you've still got lots of other stress on your day-to-day life. Like, this isn't this isn't everything? And to have the freedom to step back and realize that in the long term, you're gonna be okay. Not feel that guilt for skipping stuff, and not feel that feel like that feeling that you've let yourself down, that you you need to be tougher. Like it's it's massive.
1: Mm-hmm. it is and it, it, and it helps having the long-term perspective like knowing that okay it's six years i'm looking at trying to put on you know two to three pounds a year being realistic and what's going to allow me to do that is setting myself up for consistency mm-hmm. i have students i have clients it's like what's the most important thing what can you do to put yourself in a situation to be consistent because mm-hmm. if you can't be consistent like 80, 90% consistent, 70% even over the course of the entire phase, it's not gonna happen. Yeah. You have to that means understanding where the difficulties lie and then adjusting to it. Somebody's gonna have go to a wedding on a weekend. That's cool. Enjoy it. We can make some plans around it, but you get done with the wedding the next day, guess what? You're just back to your normal routine. Right. Like yeah, you'll be delayed by probably a week in your progress, but it's all good. Like, mm-hmm. there's no problem. You enjoyed life. Like, if you're a professional, it's a different story, right? Like, you you have to factor in that piece if you legitimately have a, or are a professional, or you could actually make it to that point. But professionals are what one percent of the population. You know, uh, if throwing I, a number—it's uh-huh. not many no. <laughs> in an e- sport. and so. Let's, let's be honest with ourselves about enjoying life and still achieving our goals at the same time. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that's where a lot of the,
0: those types of workouts come from That the, the, you got to be tougher and all of that is trying to flog unfit people because they weren't prepared because they weren't consistent in the first place. And now we're scared and we've got to make up for lost time. Like it's, it's almost like a, a complete, whereas what you're on now is like a, a feedback cycle that. Like, it re- reinforces itself, allows you to stay stress-free, allows you to keep progressing, and you know, it feeds back into itself. A lot of people get stuck on that other never-ending loop of not staying consistent. They're pushing themselves too hard because they're making up for lost time, which they can't stay consistent with and
1: leads to even more problems. So, yeah. that I see that a lot with NCAA. Like, you look at a, a fall sport NCAA athlete in the United States. They get done somewhere around in December then there's no contact period with any coaches at all for anywhere from four to six weeks. And actually mid-December is pretty late. You know, you could be talking eight weeks even of no contact. Well, there's an expectation that athletes are going to train, but they don't. And the reason they don't is because they know as soon as they step foot on that campus in January, they're going to get destroyed Mm. because that's the typical, like, you were gone, we're going to, we got a lot of work to do, blah, 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 right? Like, why? Why not instead get, have them trust you, get eight really solid weeks of training out of them on their own that's just simple, it's something. They come back knowing that they're not going to get annihilated, that they can actually work into the fitness that they need, and that it's, it's better for everybody. And now you gained eight weeks of actual training out of, and if you're looking at NCAA athletes, You might be looking at 20, 24 weeks of actual training a year, maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe. And that's dispersed into usually six to eight week segments. And I I think a lot of people in that world anyway, or at least that want to get into it, kind of forget that's the case that you don't have time. And so really be mindful of how you're using it. Is this to the best uh, of your, of what you have and the goals that you want to achieve? For sure, awesome, Doctor Jake, It was
0: really good having you back on. As I've said about your your new hypertrophy and it, oh, now confirmed bodybuilding journey, you, you you seem to share some really cool insights on your Instagram. So do you want to plug that real quick so that people can follow along?
1: Yeah, it's it's funny. I was doing that at the beginning. I think probably in March or so last mm-hmm. year. Yeah, it really stocks doing anything because I liked chronicling the journey. And it was at about that point that I realized that it takes a really long time to do that well. And it was not time that I had. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So I, I will be posting on Instagram periodic updates about the process and mm-hmm. describing this kind of stuff. Because I think, you know, the mental health component is important. Demonstrating that it took me a year to actually get to that point is is huge. And I've, I have a year's worth of data from... I wear an aura ring and a whoop band because athlete monitoring is my thing. It's fun. And I have all my sleep, all my HRV, all my resting heart rate, the meaningful stuff tracked over the course of a year. And it's fascinating to see. It's just hard to capture it in such a limited format, especially when I can I can ramble forever.
0: <laughs> okay so then oh, when yeah. you get your when you get your blog started we'll, we'll plug that as well then say again i said when my you get blog. your yeah yeah there you go that'll be a nice place <laughs> or or just your own podcast, podcast
1: own podcast on youtube series there you go I about the youtube piece but yeah it's a, it's rp dr reed is cool. my my insta
0: also awesome. well yeah if you get a few new followers then that's that's pressure on you to to at least do something this month or something. (laughs) There you go. All right. Well, it's been great having you on. I enjoyed chatting. Absolutely. As did I. Thank you as always. All right. Hey there, it's TJ. Once again, thank you for listening to that episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm just here one more time. I know you thought you were rid of me, but uh, I've got something pretty cool that I want to send your way. I've tried to condense all the most important things that you need to make progress, the training, the mindset, the nutrition, everything you hear in these podcasts and more presented in a free two-week program called Rugby Muscle Kickoff. Through Kickoff you will have access to two weeks of emails delivered directly to your inbox, two weeks of videos, education and interaction and access to tools, strategies, tactics previously reserved only for paying clients. To join simply click the link the link in the description of this podcast the one that says kickoff or if you want to go old school and type it out then crack on access it at rugby-muscle.com forward slash kickoff all one word. Cheers for listening to the podcast. See you guys next time.